0: This is James Hahn II, and you're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast, brought to you by Red Wing. This is episode 65.5.2. Point 0.5 episodes are my chance to speak with entrepreneurs, executives, and thought leaders from inside and outside the industry. To hear their stories, what inspires their work, what culture drives their company, what innovations they're bringing to the oil field. My guests today are Ben Facker, Senior Director of Novos Strategy and Development, and Tony Pink, President of Dynamic Drilling Solutions at National Oil Well Varco. While Ben and Tony had different paths into the company, they share a single focus, giving you faster, safer, and more effective drilling operations through NOV's Novos operating system. As we will learn, Novos isn't just transforming daily drilling operations, it's overthrowing the status quo. Among many other things, Novos automatically performs repetitive drilling tasks to give drillers the freedom to focus on safety and process execution instead of rote work and wasted time. It gives users the ability to set automatic drilling parameters which instead of replacing the driller gives him peace of mind to know he's always on target. When Novos is installed on a rig, big data and machine learning are always at work behind the scenes to enhance a driller's skill, experience, and effectiveness. Something that's desperately needed as a new generation of drillers take over in the great crew change. Ben and Tony are based here in Houston, Texas. They stopped by Tribe rocketing Studio in the Museum District after we met in NOV's booth at OTC. Ben, give me your background, because there seems to be a little bit of an age discrepancy here.
1: Uh, I graduated from Oklahoma State in 2006, uh, and I actually jumped straight into NOV. So as was part of a... Uh, What we call a next generation program, uh, and I came in early and often and uh, had a rotation of jobs and then been here ever since. So I've been with NOV just over 10 years.
0: Just over 10 years,
1: yeah. How old are you, 33?
0: Wow, I was gonna say, what did you start when you were 19?
1: (laughs) Pretty nearly, pretty
0: pretty nearly. And Tony, you're you're your path into NOV was a bit different.
2: Yeah, so my path uh, I I went to the University College of Wales Aberystwyth uh actually as a as a geologist and uh the, you know the times in when I graduated in 1990 there was pretty well no work for uh, uh my area of expertise which was actually mining. So uh, I got a got a job offer from Slumberjay, and they actually uh, gave me a a pay rise before I'd even taken the job. So uh, the all business was just picking up in nineteen ninety and I so I went I spent seventeen years in Slumberger, then left Slumberger went to Reed Hike uh drill bits and then we were acquired by NOV in two thousand seven, two thousand and eight. Uh, and since then uh, NOV have been pretty fantastic and uh, have allowed uh myself and others around me to really uh develop some new businesses and some new technologies and, and, and grown that into you know kind of where Ben and I are standing here today and looking at you know a fully integrated automation solution, which is kind of fun and exciting for our industry moving forward
0: so Ben, I didn't actually recognize you until you just pointed it out just now that you were the person who pointed me to Graham day who in the n o v booth at o t c who pointed me back to you yeah how, how does Graham Day play into the in into the scenario
1: so uh Graham Day is the v p of sales for land rigs. So what we're doing right now, Tony and I are both working to basically make our lander best in the industry. And uh, he plays a big part in making sure that we have the sales force and the the people behind it. So he's one of our, our driving forces in that regard.
0: And why did he bring me to you two specifically, the odd couple that you are?
1: Uh, it's because the inter- inter- interesting things that we're doing, uh, I mean, we're we're cutting edge. I think doing, it was a practical
2: joke, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> uh, I think it was. And it, the funny thing
1: was, I don't think you told him that I sent him over and he just kind of looped it back around. Hey, come and take care of this. So uh, it, it shows that, you know, our leadership knows that the cool things we're doing. It, they know it's good for the industry. They know that people want to hear about it. And that's how he
2: hooked us up.
0: So let's get into that a little bit more because you you mentioned Novus. Is it Novus or Novos? Novos. Novos.
2: I mean, short sure, for N O V operating system. It was the acronym originally, but right. it's really a you know a bigger brand than yeah, just yeah. that now. Yeah.
0: Understood. So walk us through Novos.
1: Uh, so Novos is a a surface automation system. It, it manages the tools safely and allows other people to connect to kind of close the the downhole the surface loop. Uh, Really takes a lot of the direct control away from the driller and allows the system to automate consistently.
2: Really, you know, uh, you know the Novo system. uh, Then, you know, it's a it's a it's a process controller, and uh, you know, it's it's very interesting the dynamic in our industry as it's changing at the moment. We're going we're going to when the upturn comes again, we're going to have another young generation of drillers come into the business, a couple of years' experience at best. And you know we, our expectation is that they learn to be a ten-year experienced driller in in two years. So the Novo system to help them do that, things that have been learnt in the past can be ri- written into scripted processes. So rather than them having to learn completely afresh again, they can adapt their knowledge and use those scripted processes to kind of replicate you know, many years' experience. So. You know that our timing uh, of this, you know, coming out is probably perfect because we really want to give a leg up to those young guys that are gonna, you know, come back when the when our industry comes back, which we probably think on land is is not is not very far off now, and uh, we we've got to help them perform. You know, the market is going to push the cost. Uh, we've got to get the cost of drilling down, and uh, so that scripted control that comes from Novos is pretty cool. And then, if you tie in what what uh, what what we're doing in the in the dynamic drilling solutions group is is feeding everything from below the uh, top drive into into Ben's system. So, if you've got that scripted control, you want that scripted control to run off downhole data. We want to we want to image a visualization of the environment downhole, and uh, and that and that visualization again. Uh, that that young driller is going to see cause and effect instantly in front of his eyes. So he's got both scripted control and cause and effect of what is uh, going on in the world war, which is, yeah, it's pretty amazing. So you will, we'll see their, their development go very quickly. Um, so yeah, no, it's pretty neat technology.
0: I'm wondering is, is the machine learning taking place to be able to capture any of the, the stuff that's in the, the vet veterans heads? That that won't be there once they retire.
1: We we do a lot of machine learning. We have we have groups that specialize in machine learning. Data has been a, a gigantic driver uh, now for NOV. We are we are becoming a data driven company. We are really taking the information that we have and driving it into new technologies, new uh, equipment, uh, better equipment designs, all that stuff. And part of it is better processes. So enforcing good process on the drill floor consistently is what's going to drive our industry
2: but we also see James you see you know if we capture a lesson learned from from downhole let's put it in a in a real term you know when when the bit goes on bottom and how a driller puts a bit on bottom today it may be done 50 a 100 different ways yeah and maybe two or three of those are the are the correct way of doing it so we can capture from the downhole data uh, exactly what that drill bit rock interface, what, what occurs when, when the when the bit goes on bottom and and say, right, okay, if we write that into the scripted processes, we put the bit on bottom in the correct way. And we don't prematurely damage that every time we make a connection and start to drill ahead. So we are taking lessons learned from both experts and from the visualization of the data right in front of the guy's eyes and then building that back into these scripted processes in Novos So the rig repeats that over and over again, doing it the the correct way. One of the
0: things that I know about guys in the oil field, and it, it makes perfect sense because they're damn good at what they do, but any type of automation can have some pushback at first you're, you're gonna you're gonna, you're gonna, some I,
2: gonna pushback. I, yeah some pushback. that's some, funny yeah, yeah just so, a touch just so, a touch yeah i can give you i'll, I'll tell you a really the, it's, tell it as a story it's it's, it's actually very funny when we, when we first started doing this in down in the in the eagleford for one of our customers and uh and, and we rolled it out onto the rig i mean he he really the, the company man who's obviously in charge of the operation looked at me and and, and really he thought you know the, the, the limey antichrist has turned up on my rig yeah this guy has come here with all this newfangled fancy stuff, and uh, and his whole behavior pattern to it was I, you know, this is this is challenging my job, my authority, everything, yeah. And then six wells later, you know, you put the guy on a conference call and he goes, "You take that off my rig and I quit." And he he understood then that we we weren't we weren't taking away his roles and responsibilities, we were giving him autopilot for the rig. And you watched his behavior pattern when he realized that actually not only was he in charge of it but we'd now given him really, really cool flight controls for his, his rig. He knew what was going on. And actually, you know, it's a giant sort of ass covering, you know, because he can, he can make a decision that keeps him safe, yeah, keeps the operation safe. And he's backed up by the data and the information. So when you see that behavior change, because what we're doing is obviously a technological change, but it's a massive cultural change as well. And, uh, you know, and you see on the drillers as well, you see the young, the young dynamic kid get it. And then he he performs better. But then he teaches the old grumpy bastard on the rig and he gets it. And then he gets it better than the young kid. And then they start, you know, competing with each other. And you suddenly realize, okay, we're not only doing a technological change here, but we're we're culturally changing the drilling business. Yeah, and it's pretty neat. Yeah,
0: Yeah, so I'm seeing a lot of, adoption of digital technology happening happening across the oil field in terms of a lot more even oil field veterans, if you will, joining our LinkedIn group. The one question I'm wondering right now, Ben, Tony talked about how his data feeds into your system. Mm-hmm. What does your system mean in the whole Novos world?
1: So my system is Novos. Um, so we kind of have and in a world, it is scripted processes, but it's really a, a dynamic process. So we have a, a dynamic kind of thinking engine that will go through and say, okay, what should we be doing right now? And it takes tasks and then carries them out. So if you want to drill, you say drill. You don't say hoist this tool. You don't say turn this thing. You say what you want it to do, and it goes and does it. So it, it takes the, the concept from I need to control all these tools to I'm drilling, so instead of the the driller really having to be a tool manager, now he's a driller. Now he can look at, you know, the dynamics, he can play with values, he can manage his crew, which he's supposed to be doing at the same time. And it and it really is amazing when you when you get up there and you're talking about people and adopting. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants it. Nobody cares. I'm better than that thing. And it takes it took us two days. To turn a guy around, I mean, it's amazing. So, and I had a conversation with my my operations crew the other day. They're gonna go out and support this, right? So, they were like, "What if somebody doesn't want it? I'm like, no one's gonna want it. The crew is gonna hate it until they get it, and then they're gonna love it, and they're never gonna let it go. But we got We got to power through that first hump, and then we'll be all right."
0: Tony, how does that? how does that actually happen then because are we talking about the fact that the the driller isn't the guy that makes the decision is someone above him that sees that sees it and gets it and then wants to deploy it on the rig
2: uh no i don't i don't think, i don't think the i mean the decision that, i mean if we're talking about the the sales decision or the visionary decision i mean as as this downturn has kicked in and and people in our industry are starting to think about this differently uh, we've noticed that the conversation that we're having uh, to, for deployment of this is at the strategic level in in these uh, operators. I mean, we're talking to the VP of uh, drilling and completions, so he, he he gets it. He says, "Okay, this is strategically important for my business. A change, you know, I'm going to drive the cost of you know production down." So so he's making the decision to do it. But then out out in the field, the roles and responsibilities don't really change that much. They they uh, they the people executing are the same in the same role, but we're making their life easier. So the this downhole data coming into scripted controls, the dr- the driller is now freer, as Ben said, to to do the stuff other stuff that he has to do, and the machines are doing the really repetitive, boring stuff for him. Yeah. So you know, to be an expert at on bottom drilling and you know break every different inch of formation that we go through it takes a huge amount of concentration for 12 hours and the machines are and the and the novel system's way better than that and then the, that data is feeding to the company man he's he's not taking the driller's role away from him but he now has the ability to make a decision contact the driller and say okay i'm seeing this what we're doing uh is uh we, we've got downhole vibration so let's do something different so they increase the rpm from say 80 to 100 rpm and that would have Taken them previously out of their comfort zone, but now that downhole data shows that in fact the world stabilized downhole when they went from eighty to one hundred RPM, and that the more aggressive behavior is actually reaping benefits both in performance and the uh, the stability of the system. So the risk goes down as well. But the the roles out there, uh, I, I we we had a lot of early conversations about you know when when automation first came was being talked about about five years ago. Was how to engineer the people off the rig, and I think we've changed a lot, industry and certainly in, inside of NOV. That it, it's really about. Uh, it's more like uh, the uh, Toyota production process. It's about getting amazing things out of ordinary people. Yeah, give them the tools and equipment to do their job. Don't don't try and engineer them off the rig, because in fact that'll cost you millions and millions of dollars more to get them off the rig. Let them do their jobs, but let them do them in a in an automated and, uh, and and controlled uh, manner.
0: Ben, what are some of those those variables that they're able to focus on more as a result of autopilot?
1: So, taking a simple
0: like slips to slips
1: process, uh, instead of having a crew going out and pull slips, you've got people losing concentration going back and forth between jobs just on the rig floor. So, we we put in auto slips, and now. They're just managing the pipe connection and then they're off doing something else. When we get to the, the driller himself, I mean, he's he's no longer starting up tools. He's They're making a connection and then they're stepping back and pressing go. So all the things that he used to do, were, I mean, there was 13 to I mean, 50 steps depending on what kind of sequences he wanted to go through to carry out that process. Now he has a go button and he says, hey, I want to keep drilling. And it just carries that whole thing out goes from top of a stand all the way down to setting it back into slips. And then they scramble around, make another connection, and then they go again. So it it takes him from really having to pull levers, push buttons, being a I, I call him octopus. You got all these buttons all over the place that they're pushing and doing things, turning knobs, pulling levers. And now they just they push go and then they watch to make sure the process is is carried out and that they're using the optimal parameters.
2: And I, I actually, you know, what, what what's occurred there is he's gone from being an equipment operator or, a you know, equivalent of a crane driver to back to being a driller. Yeah. You know, he can now uh, concentrate on not using all these machines and, and the mechanical use of them. He concentrates on how is what he's doing interacting with the rock? How is the fluid that he's pumping down the hole? Is it keeping the well clean? Is the well safe and uh, do we have a stable uh, uh, conditions? So he goes back to actually doing what his role originally was, which was to be a driller. Um, you know, because the early mechanical rigs were actually very, very simple. What's happened with the intermediate phase is we went from simple mechanical to complex mechanical. And now we give the guy the, you know, the autopilot function effectively, and his role goes back to being what it should have been, which is breaking rock and making a hole in the ground.
0: One of the more impressive things is the actual console and what it looks like with all of your different displays right in front can ben can you you talk about what 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 all they're seeing as they're drilling
1: so I guess you saw the the rise workstation I did. uh so that's our our new standard chair across land and offshore so it's It's basically a stand-up sit-down chair focused on driller comfort. He's got the ability to to hoist up, uh, control all his tools from the four HMIs around him. But uh, one of those HMIs is is Novos, so HMI being a touchscreen interface. Uh, So he's able to basically control all the tools on the rig, be in charge of the operation from that one chair, without having to go inside or go outside and, and basically pull levers and touch switches.
0: What is he seeing, Tony? on those different displays
2: so he's he's seeing a uh a, a visualization of the surface and the and the downhole environment and it, and it's shrunk down to i mean more so on a offshore rig you, you, it's almost like information overload in front of these poor guys yeah so now with the Novos screens we've really boiled down to um, the visualization that he needs, and and the analogy that I use is uh, when when explaining this is if you look in a Formula One racing car, the the driver is now down to a rev counter and like four buttons basically, yeah, to control that car. Uh, the principal engineer he needs to see you know a bunch of wiggly lines and tons of displays and and everything back in the uh, in the in the F1 uh, shop, but the driver himself needs just very little so the same thing it goes for the driller is here is just give him the information that's key for him to do his job and don't overload him you know because literally we hear from most of our customers that uh, we do not want to see another screen on the uh, on the rig floor but effectively what we've done with the Novos screen is is dilute that down to truly what that that guy needs to do to do his job in front of it and very very simple interface and that's what that's what it should be yeah. Then
0: educate me a little bit so that I can fully understand because the driller, is he the one that's making the decisions in terms of, okay, we're going to change in this direction or we're, we're not in this sweet spot or different things like that? No,
1: so you got a, a drilling engineer that is basically making the well program, the well plan. He's telling, okay, here's where we need to be to make the, the reserves. Then you've got a company man that's kind of directing day to day saying, okay, we need to do this now. We need to do that now. And we've got a driller Basically, carrying out those functions, the and then we've got a DD on board as well that's managing the the turning and the the path of the well. So uh, the driller's really carrying out functions. He's being told what to do, but he's looking at the the dynamics right now. What's happening right now? What do I need to do to mitigate this event? He's the first line in the fence, but there's a lot of decisions that happen kind of in the office, you know, in the in the trailers that affect him. And there's not a really good communication path between those guys. So part of Novos is to try to bring the office guys into the operation. So with, with some of our systems, we're able to pump data to the office so they can make decisions, good visualizations to, to show them what's going on. But there's also a part that they can download basically parameter limits and different things into the system to make sure that the driller makes good decisions based on the well dynamics and the, the things that the guys in the office know and have planned for, so it's really kind of—I don't want to say training wheels—but it, but it really helps. It's like uh, bumpers and bowling. So there's really little little that you could do to make mistakes unless you really, really try to do them. Yeah, and,
0: and there, while while anyone out there is going to push back because they say well, I'm going to get replaced. They definitely don't want to lose their job by making a mistake, and you're giving them the freedom to know that they're not going to make one because they're drilling within the parameters that they're given.
2: Right. Yeah, it's, it's more like um, we've given them, we've taken out, our, our industry has had probably for the last couple of decades sort of triple safety margins, yeah? The equipment comes out with a safety margin, then the, uh, uh, the customer has a safety margin, then a drilling contractor puts a safety margin on top of that. And that's all because there was no downhole control of the data and there was no real process control of the individual on the rig floor. So you had to have those sort of triple safety margins in there. So we're going to see as we deploy this technology, both the the benefit of understanding what's going on downhole and then the removal of those extra sort of ambivalence safety margins on the surface, we're going to see just a performance increase because now. This uh, NOV rig that was built to this specification can actually be used in a, I like to say, a controlled, aggressive way uh, rather than conservative way. You know, the the in the, for the last, you know, 100 years really, our, our our drilling business has been controlled by people who have uh, an experience, uh, they've, they've built up their experience of drilling. The problem is, is most of us, you know, me included when I was a directional driller, what, I, what my experience was... And the lessons learned was I did not want to repeat the biggest mistakes. And so if you if you base your whole performance on not repeating your mistakes, that it becomes more and more conservative with time. So what we're going to do, and what you do in uh, in Novos is build those windows that that the rig operates within. And then as you drill that well, and say we spent the whole time in the top right-hand corner, do we then we then preload up as we go to the next well a new window that incorporates that what we learned on the previous well. So we have a new safe operating window to operate in there and drive that performance into the top right hand corner and take away this, this, this layered, uh, safety margins that we got. So we can do it because we have controlled data, down, downhole data, and we have controlled processes. So we take out the human area on the surface and we take out the differential between knowing what is going on in the well downhole and what's going on at the surface. It's, it's, it's so integrated. It's really, really fantastic. Yeah.
0: Tony, you mentioned before we started recording that that you were part of the original idea and around automation. And can you talk
2: about Can't really take credit for the origi- the complete originality, but uh you, you were yeah. that's why I mentioned so, you were part so, of so it. someone lit the light bulb, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's
0: yeah. All all great ideas are building on what comes before. And I know that Dave Reed, you mentioned was a part of that. Absolutely, yeah. How have you seen the technology evolve over time? If you could give us a little okay, background. yeah,
2: that that that's a that's an interesting uh, journey, and uh, and and it it is that you know new technology adoption, uh, you know that that diagram I think if you Google new technology adoption, you get the same sort of bell curve, and uh, you know we started off and we're right down there on the flat bit, and then we we, we do our uh, field testing, we. Ideally, we we failed fast, which is what we did do. Yeah, we we failed very quickly. We learnt from those failings, and we and we and we fixed them pretty damn quick, and then moved on. And we were honest about our failures. And that was, if you say, you know, inside of NOV and to our industry, you said, uh, you know, look at the potential of this. You know, when when it worked, it was drilling forty percent faster, uh, but it only worked for fifteen minutes. Yeah, uh, and then we had to reboot the whole system and start again. Yeah, so th- those sort of things you you learn. And now what we're moving into is uh, almost uh, we're, we're just about on the edge of what I call FOMO, fear of missing out. We're starting to see, you know, if I spent the last two years investing a huge amount of emotional capital into convincing people that this was a good thing to do. That 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 phase seems to be over now, and uh, you've got drilling contractors, you've got operators out there that have heard what we're doing. They're in a tough place, and, and they're ringing us, yeah? So... The sales cycle in fourteen and fifteen was nine months. Uh, the last job we just did, we sold it in seven weeks. Yeah, so uh, our, our industry is making the change, and the downturn has created probably the drive behind that change.
0: Ben, I understand that this is a culmination of a lot of technology almost invented within the company. You've been there for ten years. What have you seen in terms of innovation that has that has what do you think has driven is it the company culture is it the geniuses who work there what is the greatest thing that contributes to NOV's ability to innovate
1: one of the things we do really well is is really look at pains we look at market pains and try to solve them so i think the the technology that we have today uh, it is revolutionary but it, it's still I mean things that are based on what we've done before. It, it's just, it's not a full step change, but it's bringing it all together—a revolutionary and, evolution. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's what NOV is is all about. It's it's bringing things together and packaging them in a way that makes sense for the customer. That's what we did with rigs. So, commoditizing the the offshore market, making sure everything was on time on budget. That was a big step for NOV. That that was what we did. And then now, it I think the next step is drilling automation, packaging it. Selling it, making it cost effective for the operators and the, the contractors to buy them.
2: I, th- I think we, as a company, we we were we, we were unique as a as an original equipment manufacturer um, that we actually built everything from uh, drill bits to uh, up drill pipe up to the rigs control system, the rig equipment. Uh, so, you know, when when we when Dave Reed and I had the eureka moment, it was more a moment of. Um, wow they're asking us to do this and actually there's only one company that have all the bits we don't have to have form partnerships we don't have to do complex jvs and stuff you know we actually can do this internally and and that boy did that make life easy over the last 4 years yeah and then uh, you know when I, when we kicked this off uh, we were we were with the uh, uh chief technology officer kind of owned it ego yeah, and uh, from that we were able to sort of work like an internal private equity to kind of kick it off. And that, and that, and that really really helped the whole company to embrace what we were doing by helping them fund rather than take it off individual divisions. We gave them the money to do it without feeling pain. So it was pretty cool.
0: What would you like to see? I'd like to hear from both of y'all in an ideal world, five, 10 years from now, what does is, what is the drill rig look like from your perspective or NOVs, however you want to look at that?
1: In the next five years, I think we're going to basically see uh, all of our current fleets upgraded to a, a status of rig of the future. So optimizing what we have currently in the field, uh, making sure that customers that have been with NOV get the bulk of what our technology is and and our better than their competition. That's our, that's our drive is to make our customers as, as good as they can be. That's, I mean, we're talking about automated rigs within the next three, four years. So a 10 year plan uh, is gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough to dream up. But I mean, the guys we have working on this are talking about turning the whole thing on its head, figuring out better ways to do things, different ways of solving problems. Not looking at it the way we do today. So,
2: yeah, I mean, there's a, you know, there's a. We're we're turning. We're gonna. We're gonna turn the business model upside down as well. You know, uh, out there in the world today, a lot of the, the 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 operator's driver is not necessarily aligned with the drilling contractor and the and the service companies. So, if the operator wants performance, then really the drilling contractor should share in that performance gain. Uh, or potentially share in that performance uh, reduction, but you know, let's say for argument's sake, this technology will help share in that performance gain. So what do we what do we give? We differentiate our loyal customers' product, and then we give them the ability to align their business model more with the uh, the operator who has has the cash and says, right, okay, we're going to drill this well faster. You share in that those, those eight days savings. You know, we'll share that saving with you. Then the contractor gets aligned, and then the now, can we, with by doing this with a contractor, can we give them more and more tools to be able to take more control of the well back to them? So, so maybe the contractor can do directional drilling. Maybe the contractor can run casing, do cementing, and uh, he gets a much more integrated product uh, back for the operator.
0: So, when you mentioned earlier that people are in a downtime and they're still ringing your phone. Is it? the operational efficiency that they're gaining out of this technology that's driving those phone calls?
2: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the worst job we did was a 30% improvement. Um, And if you look at uh, going now to some areas where there's more challenging rock, like the scoop in Oklahoma, the granite wash in Oklahoma, Permian Basin, uh, there we have the potential to halve some of these well times. And if so if you're saying, okay, the cost of drilling a well is half drilling, half completion on land, so if we half off the uh, drilling time, we're taking a quarter of the lifting cost per barrel. So forty down to thirty. Now that changes the game, yeah. Or fifty down to thirty-seven, yeah. So guys that are barely break even or in in the in the red today could could move back into the into the into the black. Yeah. All
0: right, Ben. He just mentioned a thirty percent improvement. That's the worst one. I mean, how 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 big of improvements are you pushing out there?
1: I mean, we see. Uh, I don't know if I can speak to that because we'll start putting expectations on what we're doing. Yeah, um, that's gonna be, that's <laughs> gonna that's gonna be a tough one. Uh, but I mean, when we when we fully automate uh, a system, it's really about the small things that we're doing right. Uh, there's a lot of lost time that comes into decision making. There's a lot of lost time that goes into uh, basically overestimating times because they don't have the data. There's a lot of things that go into it, and I think we're going to make a, a huge cut in what is really happening on the rig site, because now everybody's everybody knows what's going to happen, and it happens in a consistent way. So everybody gets in sync. It's even like a, a human sync. They know when they're supposed to do things. They know when it's coming. It, there's there's no surprises, and I think that's going to be the biggest change. Is we cut out all the what they call invisible lost times, right? The the time when the driller is just kind of hanging out, waiting for something to happen, which should have happened minutes ago.
2: And there's no silver bullet there, yeah. but it's it's like, you know, 50 little things, yeah? But those 50 little things add up to, you know, a big chunk of time. And, uh, you know, Ben's exactly what he's saying. You know, the, the on-bottom performance, those sort of things, they're, they're almost clear-cut. But all these little tiny invisible lost time things that uh, they're, they're hidden today. Yeah.
0: One of the things that I'm seeing as a theme in everything you're talking about is is really just optimizing communication across not only a drill rig, but an operation.
1: I That's what our industry has been bad at, uh, connecting people. And, and it's really driving uh, what the operators want the contractors to do. I mean, it's like having a contractor at your house. You, you've got to set expectations. You've got to go through it. And it's And with the way that our business is run, I mean, you could have a different operator from one day to the next. How do you make sure that rig is running towards the way that you want your plan to be run? And we're taking a lot of that training, a lot of that time, a lot of that effort out of the equation, because now you could just say, oh, I'm, I'm company operator X. I want you to drill like this. And they load in a plane in a configuration. All of a sudden, the rig drills like that. And then you can do that across the board with anybody you have in your
2: fleet. I mean, they've had a lot of challenges going from office-based expectation to field-based execution, yeah? And uh, I mean, and and what Ben was saying there, by being able to load up this well program automatically into the rig, then some of that communication um, problems are are overdone. The the other one is is if you can now take the, the information from these and feed to other rigs in the fleet, then not only is the fully automated rig picking up the pace, but it's then sharing that to other rigs with Novos on, and and, and you get a fleet-wide improvement uh, from the process.
1: And one of the things you you touched on earlier is the business model. And the business that we have is they're not aligned, right? Contractors want to stay on as long as possible because that's how they get paid. Operators want to cut down costs and get people done as fast as possible. So... We are helping to align that concept by selling efficiency, selling optimization, which now aligns a team, not just, you know, two people working together. Now we're a team.
0: That's perfect. And one of the things that someone listening to this might think is, wow, this sounds like a lot of very overwhelming technology. I don't even know how I would learn this. And one of the things I saw at your shrimp boil was your mobile training, and that was that was phenomenal because they had. I don't know if it was the same thing you had on the show floor at, AT OTC, but they they had one of one of the one of the the hoists there.
1: So something that happened, uh, our customers were coming to us and saying, "We need training. We need to figure this out. We don't have enough people. You you've got to help us out with that." And we made a whole training college, so it's up uh, in North Houston, and we've been running. Our customers through training on our systems, but what we found is we can't train everybody. They can't all come to us. So we've got mobile units, we've got uh, regional units, we've got international units to train people on our equipment to make sure that they are capable of operating at a, a high level.
2: Because because with it with that role change and that and that driller becoming more like a pilot, you know, if we look at the most successful sort of training impact stuff is simulation, yeah, and if you see you know pilots how you can expose them to, you know, 50 real-world things that might take them five or six years to see in a normal day-to-day life, you can now simulate that and put them through that. And these these dome simulators not only teach them to use the equipment, but the next step forward of that is simulating the downhaul conditions and simulating challenges that they would see over a long period of time but crash them through that in a, in a two-week class, yeah.
0: Well, you've taught me a lot in a very short amount of time. I can't thank you enough for stopping by. If people wanted to learn more about this technology and connect with each of you, where would you send them and what would you ask them to do?
2: I think if they log into nov.com, you can find uh, um, pretty well good links to Novos and uh, to Dynamic Drilling Solutions as parts of our uh, website in the public area. And uh, I mean, if you Google Ben Facker, yeah. <laughs> it probably comes up these days. Um, and certainly, you know, Google my name, and you, you'll see the SP papers and things that we, we are in the public domain. And and people have contacted me through that. But interview dot com, you, you'll you'll get to us, yeah. Probably be at Yeah, Middle East. Yeah, we're 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 out on the streets a lot as well yeah. at the uh, drilling conferences, and try to stay pretty pretty public.
0: Fantastic. I know from talking to Dave Reed, y'all have a lot of really wonderful videos showing this technology. I'll make sure to get all of that as well as your LinkedIn and so forth in the show notes. So if anybody wants, wants to reach out to you, they can. And again, thanks so much for stopping by, guys. It's been a fantastic conversation.
2: Thanks, James. Really appreciate it. Yeah, have a good day.
0: Thanks for listening to this 0.5 episode of the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by Red Wing. You can find the show notes for this episode which include links to everything we talked about, and both Ben and Tony's contact information at Triberocket.com forward slash TWNOV. You can also leave any comments you have about this episode there, and that's TribeRocket.com forward slash TWNOV. Join us again next time when we finally talk to James Wanjamo about what it was like growing up in rural Kenya with no electricity or running water. It was like a bare land, so the next neighbor was probably like half a mile away from you guys. Um, And so you can imagine something like electricity just It's nothing that we thought that we'd ever have. Until then, go find some grease, guys.